we had the uh, the second classic of the season. Paris Saint-Germain uh, were victorious. It was a big night for PSG against Marseille because it was their first game at the park since they lost to Manchester United in the Champions League. There was all sorts of talk about uh, a supporter strike and we saw the, the ultras behind the goal who uh, basically stayed out of their seats for the first 15 minutes, mm. didn't, didn't cheer uh, the PSG players because they're so fed up with, uh, with the way that PSG went out against United and the fact that this is uh, you know, becoming a bit of a repetitive story, PSG bowing out of the Champions League uh, prematurely. Marseille arrived in good form, 16 points from a possible 18. Mario Balotelli, a lot of talk about whether he'd play or not. He didn't travel with, uh, with the team because of uh, a reported stomach problem, but he arrived on the Sunday. And Andy, what we saw was it, it was a slightly unusual game, wasn't it? Partly because the atmosphere at the beginning was, was all a bit, well, much quieter than it, than it usually is for this affair. Yeah, and, and obviously it was, from that point of view, it was good that things picked up after 15 minutes pretty spectacularly as well. Um, I would say that it's probably the, the most striking atmosphere and, and most striking fixture between PSG and Marseille that I've seen at the Parc des Princes since the last time Marseille beat them, which was in 2010, when things were quite nasty among the PSG support. And, and, and mm -hmm. if you remember that game, I think Marseille won 3-0 yes. on the way to winning Hatem the ben title. Offer, yeah. And, and it, was, it was after that game that, that PSG effectively... Um, for want of a better word, declared war on their ultras and, and try to sort of clean up the Parc des Princes and change the atmosphere. But obviously, they've since brought the ultras back who've, who've, who've added to the atmosphere in the stadium again. And nevertheless, it, it has generated a bit of tension in the last 10 days because of their exit from the Champions League. But with, with, with that tied into the fact that the game itself was quite a, a fiery spectacle at times, not necessarily a brilliant game, but there were lots of flashpoints Lots of moments of real quality. And, ju and just, Andy, for the listeners who are waiting with, with, with bated breath, it finished 3-1 to, yeah. to, to Paris yeah, Saint-Germain. We, we haven't, Let's we haven't mentioned the, the score. the whole reason why we're here, which is uh, <laughs> to win football matches, boys. Yeah. Pa Paris Saint-Germain, who uh, were 17 points clear at the, at the top of the standings, they're now, they're now 20 points mm. clear. It was a big game for Marseille as well because they're trying to, to make up for all the lost points uh, earlier in the season that they were in good form and they're trying to finish in the top three. But uh, Robbie, PSG too good again for Marseille. Too good on the night. But for me, the, the most important thing to take from the match was just the, the drama of it all. Like we were saying, Balotelli, will he play? Will he not play? Is it just all a bit of shenanigans? Kylian Mbappe apparently getting injured during the warm-up and leaving, not do, finishing the warm-up with his teammates. Is that a little bit of sh payback to, to Marseille, thinking Marseille are trying to get one over as well? Maybe Kylian's just injured himself. He's not going to play. And then he walks out in the, in the starting 11. The fans are on strike. It's Paris Saint-Germain doubting the whole, all of France, eyes on them, thinking they're not going to win this. They're not going to win this. Is, this is the it's moment. It's good though, isn't it? It's brilliant. That's what we want. Marseille, five wins and a draw in their last six. This Marseille, who the, the biggest city in the south, playing the rich boys from the north. I mean, it was everything. The biggest football club in France, no, Robbie? Marseille? Well, it, it, historically, <laughs> I think Saint-Étienne might have a word to say about that. Nantes, Reims. Perhaps even as well. No, look, it, it had all the ingredients for a great story. It had a sending off. It had a fantastic individual performance. It, ha it had a fight. It had, you know, everything you want from Le Classique. It was like the good old days, even a bit of fan, you know, fan problems in the, in the stands, not against each other or against opposition fans. But, you know, it was well, dramatic. Was, it was there a was dramatic tension. Evening. There was tension in the air. There was tension air, everywhere. You know? Exactly. And I remember the, the match when Fabrice Fiorez and Frédéric Deux came back to the Parc des Princes. And that tension in the air and this, 
this feeling they that were PSG this volatile who, who, who signed for Marseille, signed for Marseille, and and really hurt Paris as well because they were like fan favourites at the time and and had been. Fiorez had scored last minute winners against Marseille. Frederic Deu was the captain of the side, and they both went and signed for for Marseille at the same time. and And the fans were it, they were in shock, and the tension that night was just unbelievable in the park. And uh, last night, well, it wasn't the same. But it was a great dramatic evening. And, that's, and don't forget, this is the biggest match on the league and calendar. You can have regional things. This is the one that the whole country watches. This is and the I one think, that tops the TV ratings every... I think at, it's important, Robbie, to, to hammer that home because people outside of France, I find, don't quite realise how big Paris Saint-Germain and Marseille are. People, exactly. people think that PSG are a bit of a nouveau riche club. They've certainly entered a new era in the last eight years. But even... You know, in the 90s, in the noughties, in the, in the noughties when Lyon were winning the league every year, Jean-Michel Olas got fed up because everybody talked about PSG, who were sort of 12th yeah. or 13th in the league, and the papers were full of PSG. PSG and Marseille are the two clubs that, are, that, that, that attract the most media interest, and they have the most supporters, I would say, I would say nationwide. And just, you mentioned a, a, an exceptional standout performance. That was Ankel Di Maria. But we will talk about Di Maria, who was sensational, but... I just want to talk, Andy, about another player because what last night had, it had a pantomime villain. And uh, that, of course, was Mario. <laughs> was he going to come? Was he not going to come? He started. He looked absolutely fine. I don't know uh, how serious his, his stomach problems were. And uh, he, he just seemed to be loving the fact that the Parc des Princes was, in, was, was singing uh, as one, insulting him. And, uh, you know, it, it was all good-hearted stuff. And I think Mario likes that. He got substituted when, he, when the, the game... He's the player the fans love to hate, but you get the feeling he loves to be hated as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's his bread and butter. And when he got taken off, he, he walked off very slowly, banging his Marseille badge and uh, pointing at the badge at, with, the, with, with the supporters. We, we heard after the game... Which is a little bit ridiculous <laughs> as well, because they were losing. Uh, and they lost the match. And he's saying, well, this is Marseille yeah, here. But Robbie, oh, well, it's nice. It's nice to see. And uh, after the game, reports emerged that under his shirt, he was wearing a, a Marcus Rashford shirt or some kind of tribute to Marcus Rashford, the United player who scored the, uh, the decisive penalty. The idea being that if he scored at the Partizan de France, he would have taken that, that shirt off. We were hoping he was going to go with Dave Crossan's suggestion. Uh, for a celebration <laughs> last week, if you if you missed that, go back to ep to episode two. But Andy mm. Mario, he's doing he's doing an awful lot of good to Marseille, and I think it's yeah. fair to say to Ligue 1 in general. Yeah, completely. Just just as an aside, um, on Saturday I had a day off football completely. It was meant to Andy. be in London actually, but but you know transport problems put paid to that. But I had a day off football, and just on Saturday night I checked my uh, my phone for any updates, and I saw that Balotelli had not travelled with the squad. Um, my heart kind of sank, you know, I just thought, well, this is such a shame. If, if he doesn't play in this game, it's just going to really, it's not going to be the same spectacle. And then I think we, we, we started to realise over the course of the day on Sunday that he probably was going to play. And, and it was a relief when, mm. when we saw him in, in the, on, on the team sheet for Marseille. He didn't have a great game by any means. But, but he could have, all it all could have changed with that shot in, so in the first five minutes yeah, where and, he had a good effort on goal. I, I, I would say completely, yeah. And I would say that you know, from all the, the times that I've seen games at the Parc des Princes this season, whether just being in the stadium or whether commentating on them, whatever, I think that along with this season, along with Romelu Lukaku, he is the most impressive centre-forward I've seen play against PSG at the Parc des Princes this season. Now, PSG are, you know, usually unplayable at home. Teams tend not to be able to compete with them. Balotelli clearly, clearly, even not playing at his best, is a player who is good enough 
I agree. to cause real problems I agree, for the likes because of Marquinhos. He, you, you can see that when you're in the stadium. He's got that presence. Exactly. And, but is uh, it and, just mental? Is it well, just this, his this mental is, strength? This is what I was going to say, because we talked about PSG's mental fragility. Um, and I tell you what, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, Kimpembe, like you say, Andy, 99% of the time, they are just monsters and nobody can live with them in Ligue 1. But last night, there were some jittery moments. When Balotelli was, was loitering, I saw Marquinhos put a foot wrong more than once. And, and, and you, just, you just wonder, is, you know, we, we're going back to the, uh, the shortcomings in the Champions League, because in the Champions League, you play against guys of this stature. Mm. But Robbie, we, we, we're going to move on to, to Angel, because Angel Di Maria last night was absolutely sensational. And I'll tell you what, he has been for, for, if not the whole season, certainly the last few months. I commentated the PSG game at Dijon. And his free kick was just sensational, just perfectly arced over the wall, in off the post. He did it again from even further out last night, a free kick. He just kissed the post on its way in. It's just unbelievable accuracy. And what he is doing with the football at the moment, Robbie, is just, it's just sensational. I am an unashamed disciple from the, the church of Di Maria. I love him. I think he's just a player that can make the difference, even when... People criticise him at the start of every season saying, look, he's, 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 his attitude isn't right. He doesn't try. Just get him to leave Paris. We need, we need players that will fight. The, the player can do things that, that you rarely see on a football pitch. His control from Colin Dagba's pass, no look outside of the left boot or with his heel, cushion control while facing, looking over his right shoulder. If you, if you get the chance to see Kylian Mbappe's goal, the opening goal last night, Look at the control from Di Maria because it's, it's a thing of pure beauty. And players can't do that. Normal players, normal human beings cannot do what Di Maria can do with a football. And he shows it again and again. In his defence, when people criticise him at the start of every season, which they invariably do, the guy has barely had a holiday over a summer for six seasons. Every time he's at the World Cup. Argentina got knocked out a bit earlier this time, but they've made World Cup finals. They've made Copper America finals. They lose them all every time. It's devastating for a player. At this, he even missed the World Cup final through injury, having been the hero yeah, I, for I think, Argentina. I, I think I made a mistake throwing that question to the founder of the <laughs> Angel Di Maria fan club. Andy, Andy, before the pod said, well, it's great that he's coming into form at the, at the right moment. I haven't isn't spoken it? about his goals yet. Which is, which just is a slightly... Control. Just look at the control. Which is a slightly ironic uh, comment. Well, I, I did. I talked about his free kick. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the, his first goal was it's stunning. Can, was I, stunning can I just say, well. in, in, yeah, I was being, you know, a bit cruel there, saying that he's coming into form just at the right time when, of course, they've, they've only just been knocked out of the Champions League. But let's not forget that, OK, PSG were very disappointing in the second leg against Manchester United and so was he. But in the first leg, he was very good. He played very well. and he Sensational. He a, you know, he's, he, I mean, you touched on it when he missed the World Cup final a few years ago. He's quite a physically fragile looking guy, but he's got something about him. I mean, that challenge at Old Trafford when he went crashing into the, yeah. mm. you know, off the pitch and into the, into the fence beside the pitch and, and yet he picked himself up and got on with it. And last night he was... You know, I mean, people will say, oh, yeah, but, you know, PSG are going to run away with the title again. Marseille are not that good. But, you know, Di Maria, that was genuinely world class. The way that he led the counterattack for the first goal and the way that he scored the second goal and the third goal was just and incredible. Just to, just, to on, bet, yeah, but, just to finish on PSG, Robbie, because we can't talk about <laughs> Angel for, for, for 45 minutes. But I'm going to throw this one to you. It was 3-1 to PSG. Steph Mondonda had been sent off. We were in added time. and. It's a penalty to Paris Saint-Germain. And Mr. Mbappe, instead of saying, Ankel, have a hat-trick, here you go, you can take this penalty. Killian stepped up and he got it saved. 
Was there a bit of tension maybe in the dressing room after that? Absolutely not. These things, Angel Di Maria is also a, a perfect professional. There's no doubt whatsoever. He's a, he's a kid on the training ground, but he's a professional in matches. Look, Kylian Mbappe, he's the goal scorer. It will be decided before the match who takes the penalties. Like it was when, a, when there was all this penalty gate between Neymar and, and Edinson Cavani. There is a designated penalty taker. It's Kylian Mbappe. He scored his last one. He now has a 50% penalty record in the yeah, league throughout his career. It wasn't a great penalty, but he is the penalty taker for that match. Perhaps it will change for the next time. There's no, there's no romance in, in football at this level, guys. There's not, wouldn't it be great if he can score a hat-trick his first here at the Parc des Princes in a big match? Kylian Mbappe is trying to finish, trying to probably to break all the records for goal scoring. He's got 26 now. In, in Ligue 1, he's, he's having an incredible season. He's won the World Cup. Why wouldn't he take the penalty? 